0: My name is Callum Coomber and I'm here with Mark Ruud-Balatovich. Together, Mark and I formed the duo, the singer and Gedaland, and we're currently in the process of writing an album. In this series, Wordlender, we speak to a guest artist every week who has some connection to the landscape in their day-to-day practice.
1: Today we're joined by Michael Braley, an electronic musician, composer and curator based in Manchester and Hamburg. His current work often foregrounding text, screens and Voices is focused somewhere between themes of data transfer, ecphrasis, body tension, anxiety, ecology, and love. Most recently, he has released an EP, The Broken Heart is More Than a Metaphor, it is terraforming in action, on the label Astral Plane Recordings, with accompanying music video premiered by AQNB. Other recent projects include the guided meditative experience euco Gorgonensis, which was commissioned by the gallery FACT in Liverpool, and our very own Callum Coomber, and the generative video piece, This Person Does Not Exist, commissioned by composer-performers Bastard Assignments, and made in collaboration with AI developer Laura Ibanez.
0: I know that all three of us have become quite obsessed by the book Scene recently. For those that don't know, Scene is written by the independent scientist James Lovelock. He's most well known for publishing the Gaia Hypothesis back in the 60s, which proposes that the Earth is a self-regulating system. While highly controversial at the time, his ideas have paved the way for what we now call Earth system science. Michael, would you mind briefly explaining what James Lovelock proposes in *Overseen* and what topics particularly interest you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I read Scene I don't know, like eight, nine months ago now, so... um and yeah it was it was a really 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 nice book really like super easy to read um despite the kind of philosophical theoretical things that it it touches on um so yeah it was it was a really really nice read and for, for me like what i took from it was that it it Spe- he, James, Lovelock, James, James Lovelock is kind of speaking about how AI will or is affecting climate and causing a new geological epoch, which he is coining the Novocene as something which will take over from the current Anthropocene that we're currently in, where human impact is currently driving um, the kind of environmental changes that we're seeing across the world. Um, and that can be attributed to the start of the Industrial Revolution. Uh And yeah, so there's this Nova scene that he talks about is when AI will start working with humans to regulate Gaia as a system, Gaia being his idea for the Earth as a self-regulating system. Um, And what I really like in the book is he has this he has this way of speaking about um, the particular focus on the history of energy transfer all across the like 3.5 billion year planetary history of, of Earth. And I really love that when he how he talks about like the three most important events in our kind of anthropocentric planetary history being linked to sunlight. Um, so he he says that those three events are firstly like 3.4 billion years ago. Um, actually, the planetary history is much longer than 3.4 billion years, isn't it? It's like six billion or something anyway. Um, but yeah, 3.4 billion years ago when photosynthetic bacteria first appeared and then in. Zooming forwards billions of billions of years to the year 712 when Thomas Newcomen, who was born in in Dartford in Devon, which is just over an hour's drive from my family home, uh, made a machine that converted the sunlight and locked in coal directly into work, which kind of f- formed the kind of start of the Industrial Revolution and then 2020 ish now and when we and our kind of cyborg successes are converting that sunlight directly into information and he speaks about information as this kind of fundamental fundamental property of the cosmos. Um, he uses the word cosmos as opposed to the word uh, universe, meaning everything that we can know or see, whereas the universe would kind of mean like the entire limits of everything um, and yeah. And, and so he says that like maybe the final objective of intelligent life in general, whether that is human or AI, is to transform the entire cosmos uh, into information to kind of understand in some way. And I think that's like a really beautiful, beautiful thing that he he said in that. So, yeah, I love it. I think it's a really nice book and would definitely recommend it because, like I said at the beginning, it's just so easy to read. <laughs> um, yeah. Is
1: there any like particular... Uh subjects in the book or or even examples in the book that have influenced actual pieces or compositions or, or your music in any way um,
2: kind of more literally i guess yeah i mean um yeah for sure i mean this piece that i have been making for bastard assignments which is at least at the time of us recording this podcast not currently available online but it should be soon um, that piece is called This Person Does Not Exist and Mark referenced it in that nice little intro. Um, and it's a yeah, it's a generative audio visual work that's going to be live streaming for about a week uh, online on Instagram Live. And it was a, a piece that was made using several artificial intelligence systems. Uh, so firstly, I got bastard assignments to mistrain a neural network on their own voice recordings at resemble.ai to create like, Um, these kind of weird voice recordings um, that are generated by a network. And then I also worked with uh, Laura Ibanez to train a network on the selfies of Bastard Assignments um, to replicate their faces. So we've got these badly mistrained faces and these kind of badly trained voices as well. Um, And so when they're deployed together, they kind of create these new identities, which are kind of uncanny and maybe a bit spooky in some ways Um, and yeah so these voices in in the text they uh in in the piece sorry they um they protest their existence and their origin point and their autonomy to the founders of the tech startup resemble the ai who made it possible for them to come into existence Um, that's the kind of idea of the piece but the whole thing yeah should feel like uncanny and spooky as the voices tell you that they're real or give insights which should only come from a real person um, but the way that Novocaine kind of feeds into that piece is that um, I was like this this idea of energy transfer that I was speaking about earlier, like from sunlight through to coal, well sunlight to photosynthesis to coal to to information, as being something which kind of links us to the genealogy of this AI as well. Like both of our evolutionary points come from the same point, you know, three point four billion years ago with photosynthetic bacteria, or, or just before that, or sorry, just after that maybe. Um, So this idea of sunlight to bacteria, to human versus sunlight to bacteria, to coal, to computer processing, to AI personhood and kind of drawing into attention that to essentially make these AIs seem more familiar to us and more real in a way and therefore kind of more uncanny. And so whilst you're watching Bastard Assignments lip sync to these AI voices in this piece with the faces with these ai faces behind them and the ai voice clips you almost start to kind of empathize with them or recognize them either within what they're saying in the current moment or within the kind this kind of vast evolutionary or genealogic history that they're situated within that's yeah that's kind of the goal of the piece it's quite a big one <laughs> but uh hopefully it comes across in some way
0: so on to some of your other pieces i i know personally that you've um, recently, written a piece piece for me, you, you cope for Gorgonensis, um, and then also, the broken heart is more than a metaphor; it is terraforming in action for Sylvia, um, and both these pi- pieces are specifically written for um, for specific people. Um, and I wondered if you wanted to talk about kind of what influenced these pieces and how they might have differed.
2: Yeah, I mean they're they're very different pieces. I think maybe that's one thing that hasn't been said yet is that my practice is really broad um which I mean you can probably guess it from Mark's intro but like as someone who's an electronic musician and makes electronic music and uses my voice with that a lot and then makes like performed pieces for other people and for me as well and then also curates and DJs and all of this like it's I have this yeah, very broad practice, which um, is becoming increasingly more difficult to pin down as time goes on. And the only thing I can think of, which kind of is the overarching bracket for the whole thing, is like this is this idea that I'm kind of fueled by an anxiety towards the contemporary moment, whatever that means and whatever point of the contemporary moment I'm choosing to situate myself within for a piece that I'm working on. And those two pieces you mentioned are, yeah, very um very different. Um, but I think that very much stems from the people that I, that I made the pieces for. So you for a Gorgonensis, um, was made for Callum, um, and of Bessengenda-Gedaland fame, I should say. And, um, yeah. And so, I mean, you'll know from people who are listening to this podcast of Bessengenda-Gedaland's kind of practice at the moment. And, um, it's one that's very, I guess, to, to to describe you back to your own audience is something which is and informed by ecology a lot and um and yeah other things and I mean Callum is what from what I know of him is very interested in kind of meditative practices and stillness and kind of long durational things. Um, and so I really wanted to make a piece for him that kind of did justice to his interests, because I'm just someone that thinks if I'm going to work with someone else, then I might as well engage with what they're good at, because then I'll make the best thing for them and try and find some middle ground. Um, And then with Sylvia, I made this piece, The Broken Heart is more than a metaphor, it is terraforming in action. Um, And with her, I think something which, yes, she's a pianist from Manchester, I should say, and um uh yeah a a really great pianist who's just finished a phd at the rcm Royal northern college of music looking into kind of electronic music performance um particularly with the recent piano repertoire that often is quite multimedia works by people like uh michael byle and Stefan prince and uh marta schneidi and a few other people um and and yeah so the one thing that i kind of wanted to do with her was of course kind of do something that kind of referenced that practice that she has and also this kind of anxiety that I think we both kind of share in in weird ways that kind of comes out in our own personalities um and I was also in a, a weird place at that point like going through uh, I'd just been through a breakup and was kind of getting to grips with that and had also just moved country so I was trying to resituate myself in a new environment and. I think it was a very stressful time in my life and I think it just came out in the piece in in various ways. So, yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's this kind of trade off of like working with someone, honoring their skills and also kind of looking into myself and thinking, where am I right now in my life and what is happening and what's the kind of intersection of those two circles of the Venn diagram that is going to make up this piece in some way.
1: I guess also like you um, released the EP under the same name as that piece. So it's like a proper, uh, I guess that's your literal self-expressive as you can be because it's just you singing, right, and and, uh, manipulating everything. So how do
2: they, what's the connection between those two? There isn't really a connection, actually. I think that phrase just became a bit of a mantra for me um, uh, because... Yeah, this, this EP was that I made was kind of thinking about love as something that can be like a celebratory one-way transmission of, of giving love to other people or ex, expelling feelings into the, the universe or the atmosphere and imagining them kind of reaching people in new ways um, and yeah and so I was going through a period of thinking about like you know the the broken heart as as being something which should be celebrated and something which can be the size of a planet and it can be talked about in terms of terraforming vocabulary because it's you know it, that's the magnitude of it for me and um so in terms of the EP it's kind of just it kind of just I don't know that that phrase has just stuck with me so why way it was the title but i think it's much more related to the piece that came before it um uh which i made for sylvia and yeah yeah they're they're two very different projects but um yeah the title just happens to kind of cross-pollinate or find its way into both
1: as i guess we already in there, we've kind of touched on um, i guess how you're how you're life kind of influences your compositional practice you know there we were you, you said about you were going through a breakup and you had a lot of this anxiety and that kind of informed um these works but um i wonder how like what what, what is your compositional practice like what are the kind of themes that uh, you're following now um and how are they
2: related to where you are i guess yeah i mean so so now now I think I'm thinking, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot at the moment in the world, which is particularly stress-inducing <laughs> or uh, anxiety-inducing for me and uh, that I'm thinking about. Um, I mean, one kind of recent thing that happened was this piece for, for Callum. I mean, ukp for Gorgonensis, which was commissioned by FACTS, the gallery in Liverpool um, as part of their kind of online um, commissioning project where they commissioned a lot of local artists to make things during the kind of beginning of the corona crisis and um, of the pandemic. And um, so I was thinking about, well, I I mean, I was feeling just not really wanting to do much and um, a bit just exhausted by going on Twitter every day and just being, seeing the state of something else that had happened. Uh, and I was also reading this blog by the composer, Peter Ablinger. Um, uh, he, he wrote like a Corona blog in like April, 2020, uh, which was, yeah, like early on in the pandemic. So in this kind of more emergency time than maybe we're experiencing right now where, where we've been in it for a while and, he was asking I mean he started the whole blog by asking the question how much do we need of everything um and kind of went on to kind of theorize like how to make like what making something means like making something new in a time where uh like you know animals are coming back into cities or um the air qualities becoming cleaner like just by doing nothing we're actually making something and and that felt really nice to me so I kind of wanted to respond to those kind of ideas with this piece and it was um yeah kind of came about through thinking about just listening into silence and what that means and I'm finding out that there is this insect called uh, a or gorgonensis which is like a grasshopper um this kind of a big grasshopper kind of the size of your palm and um miraculously despite like how many millions of years is it? I think it's like 650 million years of evolutionary divergence. Um, this insect shares our human inner ear structure. Um, that was kind of ridiculous for me to, to understand or figure out and opened up so many creative possibilities of thinking about that. So it's essentially this piece, which is a uh, a guided meditation for an audience member at home, where they go through this kind of metamorphosis into. Uh, this insect whilst carrying out these listening exercises into their current, hopefully, or mostly silent surroundings. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of about that.
0: And and what about the text scores you were writing um, before, you coped before Gorgonensis?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, so I made a few text score things. I mean, when I was feeling like I didn't want to do anything, um... And I was thinking, kind of how to channel that feeling in some way. I was just looking around my kitchen and all my bedroom and making pieces that were, I don't know, inspired by just like thinking about something. I don't know. I can't really remember any of them now. Actually, there was there was one that was called there. Like there, a lot of them are kind of tongue in cheek or a bit silly. There was one called like the artist's present piece um obviously taken from the marina abramovich performance piece where i just said uh sit in your kitchen all day and um wait for someone to come and visit you or something in an overflowing red dress is optional because she wore this red dress when she did that performance and so thinking about like status or isolation or trying to escape the current predicament or ways to just kind of look at being alone in a different way uh that was kind of what I was thinking about with that was there one that was like a self-hug or something as well I think I remember um yeah I think there was there was one which was I think it was like make a list of everyone you you miss hugging and then make a plan once the once the situation is better to hug them all um and how you do that yeah I think that was that was a um yeah so little kind of silly things like that basically
0: (laughs) they're very diverse they do go from like the one that mark just mentioned hugging piece being kind of very intimate and to you know things like applicant piece for any artist in lockdown (laughs) um
2: oh yeah um yeah i can't remember that one the only other one i really remember i wrote them so long ago and so quickly that they don't really stick in my mind so much but there was one called like what was it like Ka- the caroline Polachek piece or something which is just like scream the chorus to the some caroline Polachek song that i was listening to really fucking loud in your kitchen that was like the <laughs> the score because yeah that's what i was doing but actually actually that whole project led me on to make made a piece called what was it called imagine telling a body to do something in today's day and age which was for the compass ensemble which is like a um a new ensemble based in freiburg in in germany because they were commissioning a load of kind of short 40 second tops pieces uh and it was like it's like a piece for yeah kind of reflecting on these feelings which um and it situates itself like obviously between the two other pieces and it's just it makes time for the performers just to kind of relax and check any body tension that they might have and release it in the piece so there's no kind of um, yeah, I'm not instructing the performers to really make any sounds or anything. I'm just kind of instructing them to take some time to relax or to understand their body in the middle of a concert situation. So, yeah. So I think, yeah, that definitely fed into Yuko before a Gorgonensis as well. There's with these feelings of I don't know stillness and um, and checking yourself, checking your body. Uh, um, and yeah, I think that's something I'm still so i don't know kind of interested in thinking about um yeah how to kind of i don't know to be kind of stereotypical like how to conduct like some form of self-care on your on yourself despite the craziness of your surroundings right now um yeah that's kind of something that's interesting to me
0: and that that was even present in the piece of sylvia as well
2: yeah very much so i mean yeah so that that piece for the Sylvia I mean uh like Mark said as in the beginning I'm I'm working a lot with text in my in my work at the moment um whether that is lyrics or scripts or an essay like text or subtitling or auto translation or um this idea of ekphrasis that Mark mentioned in the intro which is a, a literary device of describing another artwork or um, which has, yeah, made my, made its way into some pieces that I've, uh, I've worked on. Um, it's, yeah, it was very notable in, in Sylvia's piece as well. I mean, the text for Sylvia's piece was kind of a lot of kind of scientific or specific or technical language that associated itself with either like cardiovascular heart surgery or terraforming or um, extinction, Um. And the kind of specificity of the language meant that what Sylvia would say, kind of, you weren't sure what kind of thing it related to, what part of that it related to. And so my aim with it was to just kind of create this feeling that Sylvia was like really particularly pinpointing something with what she was saying, but you weren't aware of what it was. It just gave you this feeling of, I don't know, intimate existential dread, (laughs) I guess, Um, mixed with emotional distress uh both in terms of like 2020 feelings and internal kind of personal heartbreak or emotional traumas as well
1: yeah yeah you're you're telling us uh yesterday that about the your, your kind of ideas about uh this descriptive language and kind of what that i don't know what it means to to describe something i thought maybe you could just touch a little bit on that
2: yeah i mean so so one thing which i've become i don't know thinking about as well is that of course like my current situation is is i mean all my relationship with anxiety is 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 my relationship with anxiety and but knowing that other types of people um from different parts of the the world specifically uh other or much more marginalized people um have a different relationship with that, um, or those feelings, and wanting to kind of address the plurality of that those feelings, not necessarily to speak on behalf of anyone else, but just to understand that, like, yeah, I can always only speak from my perspective, and I'm very aware of that. I just, yeah, just to kind of acknowledge that it doesn't just stop with me in some way. So, um, I mean, I've been, so I made this piece for for Shoal. Uh, A while ago called well paraphrased the title as locator but in fact it's a load of weird symbols which the word locator kind of appears in alongside other words like delocalized and dot jpeg and no one and things (laughs) um but it's yeah called locator and it was a piece for uh for performers with smartphones on stage in the dark and on those smartphones are displayed uh 360 uh environments Uh, taken from Google Street View and kind of superimposed over one another. And the performers through the piece kind of describe those environments to the audience and the audience kind of takes an image or gets an image of what the performers are describing in their own heads. Um, And as the piece goes on, this kind of description becomes more stylized and their movement as they kind of walk through these environments on the spot becomes more stylized and it finishes in this kind of lecture like text on uh, the color blue as it can represent the sea and the sky and um, yeah i don't know it kind of yeah it moves from kind of quite free to quite stylized that's that's kind of the general gist of the piece um and yeah I mean I found this this instagram hashtag called uh, hashtag spiritualism but the s is an X so X spiritualism uh, which is uh, it's, makes a load, it's a load of really nice images. Uh, kind of highly collaged um images which touch on spirituality and um are kind of like meme like in their use of text and um but also often incorporate a lot of um kind of like west asian or south asian uh so, i mean middle eastern or kind of um yeah south asian indian uh i like religious iconography so things from is- islam and hinduism in particular um and i found it really interesting because a lot of these content creators that are making these images aren't from that um aren't from those places that don't have that heritage and so i like, was starting to ask myself like are these images kind of problematic in some way like there's a lot of arabic text which is just used and i mean i would guess that these images are for a kind of western audience if they're made by a western person and so i'm thinking well so are they are we kind of reading this arabic text as spiritual in itself like we don't need to understand what it means we just get that impression from it because of our own history with with like i don't know western spirituality and what that means um and it got me it got me researching into Um, algorithms in general and kind of digital mysticism is is something something which is spoken about by Ashley Darcy Uh, she wrote a really nice text called um, uh, it's called um, a warning against popular mysticism on the internet and um, yeah she she talks about kind of the the way that um, spiritualism has kind of been co-opted by these big uh, big tech companies like Facebook and um, like the way that facebook is had a lot of these kind of personality quizzes online um which were meant to kind of tell you things about yourself and the kind of security that came that came with that and um but in doing so facebook were actually collating your data collecting your data from that and using it to better market things to you so spiritualism being something that has been co-opted by a kind of western um, technological world um these companies are from silicon valley and wherever else and so, yeah, so thinking about how spirituality is kind of working its way into kind of algorithmic processes today. And then through the work of Flavia Zodan, who's this incredible um, cultural theory, cultural studies worker and media analyst from who's currently based in the Sandberg Institute in the Netherlands. She has been uh, speaking a lot and writing a lot on the coloniality of the algorithm um, and how the, the the word algorithm is actually comes from uh, a man from the six six hundreds in ancient persia called muhammad ibn musa al khwarizmi um and he was the guy that actually kind of yeah uh came up with the algorithm um but as well as kind of do dealing with that side of things he was also an astrologer he was an astronomer um and the the same kind of uh educational or university of sorts with i think it was a university i'm not not sure actually, I think it was a university. Um, yeah, the same university that um, employed him had these separate uh, departments for more kind of cosmological things and more scientific things I'm saying with uh, inverted commas right now, um, or whatever you call those things, finger speech marks. Um, so this was all recognized as a science back then and But through coloniality, through the work of someone like Carl Linnaeus, who was the father of modern taxonomy, taxonomy being something which um, we used to, uh, like, separate things into categories, most notably people. Um, He had a very racist endeavour in the way he categorised people, and taxonomy is the form, the basis of kind of big data collection, and big data collection is the form of, algorithms so you can see how this is kind of all weirdly connected and so when i look at these images on instagram with this hashtag i'm there's a lot of thoughts going through my head around kind of accountability and the the history of like scientific racism and how to kind of incorporate into that piece uh, into a piece that is also dealing with describing and describing as something which is described in the theory of math- mathematics and mathematics is also something which can be thought about in this kind of colonial way as well so how to kind of do all of that is what I'm thinking about.
0: So Michael and I run the the event series virtual Reality and we've got a upcoming, upcoming series of events. Um, would you like to give us a little insight into what, what might be happening Michael?
2: Yeah so uh yeah really happy to say that after um kind of curating something and the, at the end of 2019 kind of finishing that and then applying for funds in the beginning of 2020 just before corona hit and then corona happening and then kind of all the funding going crazy and us not really knowing what to do and uh not being able to really do something in 2020 we've kind of re- managed to kind of rejig our plans for 2021 so we can do this online series uh this year um which is going to be happening from May till July. Um, and yeah it's great. It's um it's the subtitle for the series is The Long Triumph and it's essentially I think what we're interested in looking at this time is is kind of like, I don't know, in, in 2021 is dystopian thinking really helpful nowadays as like a core question. And, um, I know that Elon Musk has previously said that he wants to die on Mars or he wants to be buried on Mars. And so the question is like, what world is he leaving behind? What world is he like escaping from? What does that leave us to fix? If like the tech giants who are currently like, what well, one of the richest people in the world is wanting to leave this planet and like where does that leave us um and i mean the the initial idea for this the series in 2019 was that it was going to be subtitled the apocalypse will blossom which is a quote taken from jenny holzer and the artist um who also works a lot with text and she had these um, inflammatory essays which are like twitter length tweet length um Little essays that are quite inflammatory in varying ways, obviously, going from the title of them. And one of them ends with this title, The Apocalypse Will Blossom. And I thought it was a great way to start thinking about these ideas back then. But now I'm like, God, I don't want to think about apocalyptic thinking anymore. Like, we're clearly living through it right now. Um, If there's one thing that 2020 has shown us, not just through coronavirus, but the way that it has affected different cultures um, with the arising of the Black Lives Matter movement, that kind of gaining much more political traction in the US and um what else The i mean the cambridge analytica data scandal that had been happening recently all of these things like they're all happening at the same time um the kind of analogy i like to use is game of thrones like when the white walkers were coming down to go on winterfell like like yeah everything in that series was reaching ahead at the same point um well before it kind of got bad in the last (laughs) series um but it kind of feels like that now right like we're dealing with everything at once at the same point in history like ecological collapse um the kind of real racial disparity that's coming up coming out the history of colonialism that the west is dealing with kind of trying to understand and trying to do better at um the I don't know everything else and so I think with this series what what I'm trying to do is to kind of think about all these things at once in a very intersectional way and try and provide some space for all of these discourses to happen um and I mean to give you an, an idea of something I mean the first the way we're the way we're running the series is we're splitting it into it's running over 10 weeks and those 10 weeks are split into five week chunks um sorry two five two week chunks um so there are five kind of subsections to the whole festival, and the first one is going to be themed around the new anxiety. so looking at how these the kind of three hundred plus year technologies that we've developed to kind of capture and map the world from map making to um uh, from map making to algorithmic processes to big data collection have now kind of been exposed as these, in some cases, violent weapons-grade systems that are pluralizing reality and destabilising the ground that we're living on. And thinking about that as a core theme and and artists that are kind of dealing with that. um, But not only artists, also theorists and filmmakers, not only musicians, sorry, not only musicians, but artists and filmmakers and theorists. We're holding workshops, discussions, video screenings feature film screenings all sorts of things that um lend itself to an online format in some way um, i'm also very aware that there are you know other festivals that have been kind of commissioning these big game game environments where things have been taking place in but because of our kind of personal funding situation with the series we didn't really have the kind of the time uh let alone the money to kind of invest in those sorts of projects, which I think have been a really exciting thing to see being developed in, uh, well, particularly in last year. And I would particularly mention like Pussy Crew, who are working with More Mother at Unsound, and also Club Matrioshka, the club knight from Indonesia that have been working with CTM Festival. Uh, A lot of their stuff is like super interesting and really provides uh, a real nice space for online people to come together online and also people that might be kind of more kind of isolated or find it difficult to engage with live events due to social anxiety or open it up to different communities like gamers and things and it's definitely a different way of interacting with the concert experience in general so basically all I'm saying is uh, give us more money and we'll do that (laughs) as well (laughs) Um, but yeah loads of stuff brilliant well thanks for speaking to us Thanks very much for having me and good luck with the album and the rest of the series, the podcast series.